Welcome to the Inner Game Academy podcast, a show where we help you overcome your fears, boost your confidence and give you the best chance of becoming a professional footballer. If you're a young footballer looking to take your game to the next level, this podcast is for you. Whether you're struggling with nerves before games, finding it hard to recover from setbacks or just looking for ways to take your game to the next level, Luke and Rob have you covered. So join us each week and let us help you become the confident, fearless footballer you were born to be. Listen up, we've got some massively exciting news. Our brand new six-week Pro Accelerator program is starting very soon. If you want to improve your confidence, overcome nerves, have the best chance of becoming a pro, this program is not to be missed. You'll have six weeks to improve your game on and off the pitch with guaranteed results. During the program, you'll be coached live by me and Luke, mentored by current pros, and you'll have exclusive access to our brand new journal and workbook, which you'll be doing sessions on. How to get over negative thoughts, how to get into the zone and stay there, how to gain, protect and to keep your confidence. Limited spaces are available. Apply now at www.innergameprocourse.com. That's www.innergameprocourse.com. Hello and welcome to the Inner Game Academy podcast. I'm Rob Blackburn. I'm Luke O'Neill. Hey, we've got Super <laughs> Ali Alhamadi on the line. He's about to come on and do a mentoring call for us for the Academy. But before we start, as always, we're going to do a little session with him, a little chat. Mate, how have you been? Ali's been on fire recently, hasn't he? His defense, defense is terrified. Yeah, some flat though, yeah. <laughs> so recently you've shifted, you started scoring. What's changed? Not much, really, apart from uh, a few maybe tweaks mentally. Um, since I've joined Wimbledon, I've, I think from a pit, I, I said it before, like I've been performing quite well in all the games I've played. It's just you know, for whatever reason, went scoring goals. Uh, but yeah, for some, for some, you know, well, not unknown reasons, because I've you know I've been tuning into the the, um, the zooms and and just taking a bit more care again with with the mental side. I've just found myself just going into games a bit more free, a bit more focused, a bit more present. Which you know, maybe that is the reason. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just a coincidence. But you know, it's been it's not been a coincidence, mate. It's not a coincidence. Success leaves clues. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Success leaves clues. It does. I'm going to go straight into questions I've got for you. So you've gone from playing in the Swansea Academy, kind of in the fringes, and then, you know, having, I'd say, a bit of frustration, not kind of having first-team action. Would you say that's correct? Yeah. And then going, All right, I want to, I'm ready to take the opportunity. So how, how have you managed to manoeuvre from being in the academy set up, being, you know, not in the first team, to then transition yourself to be a regular starter and do I say a goal score regular goal scorer as well in men's yep. football that's, that's, that's the journey that we all look to do and you are along that journey and, and doing very well so ha- give us the steps in place I've always been um I've always been willing to take risks so when I was at Swansea um don't know if many people know who have followed my journey or, or whatever but I did get actually offered a new deal at the time I just choose to refuse to sign it because for you know again just wasn't getting enough first team opportunities, and I just wanted to test myself whether I was alone or or with Swansea's first team, and obviously wasn't happening. So I did take you know that leap of faith and just leave um, and try and go find, find first team football, which is how I ended up at Wickham. Um, and again, it was really good. You know, I went on loan straight away from Wickham, 
to Bromley and done well there. I think they like uh, eight or nine games and scored three goals and got a few assists. So that was good. Um, and and then you yeah, obviously played at Wembley. That was amazing. And then came back to Wickham this season with a view of you know being involved a bit more, uh, which I was. Obviously, I got got my first start in the Carabao Cup, scored, um, and then started coming off the bench a few times. But it just wasn't enough for me. It wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So again, you know, come this January, it was a it was a situation where you know the club probably would have liked me to stay um, to hang around, but I just. Again, like I said, I've always been willing to just take the risk and and just be like, right, I I, I want to play football. I want to play if if that means I have to go, you know, kind of, you know, in quotation marks, drop a level again to do that. I'll do that. I, I don't really care. Um, so yeah, and and it's been don't don't get me wrong, it's not been as easy as that, of course. But um, yeah, now I'm playing regularly, which I feel like whenever I have done in my career, I have scored goals when I've had you know runs of games and I'm played. So. Um, yeah, just about just really taking it game by game. And that's just been what's helping me recently. I'm not looking too far ahead, not looking, you know, obviously my ambition, like any young player, is, is to play high. But at the oh, moment, it's focusing. How, how high do you want to get to? Um, I'd, I'd say I'm not... When I've spoke to people, obviously, I've, I've specifically said, for example, like in the past, oh, I want to reach the Premier League. I want to reach the Championship. But... I feel like you're kind of placing them at the ceiling, which is like, of course, the Premier League's, you'd say, the highest possible thing you'll play at. Um, but again, from from just being a bit more tuned to like my mind recently, I've, I've been like thinking of this idea of like limitless potential. And it's like, just, just whatever, like, I just maximise my potential, whatever that potential is, um, rather than being like, right, this is a specific thing that I need to aim for. It's just like, of course, in the back of my mind, is that everybody's dreams to play in the Premier League, but just like having this idea of like limitless potential and just I can I can play as high as I can if I want to, and just having that belief, like and not letting what people think or what people say or or realistic expectations kind of be put on me because you never know what could happen. What does unlimited potential mean to you? Um. I think it's again when when we talk about now like setting goals. I think as I'm getting a bit older or a bit more experienced, like as in like playing more games, I've also started to just strain away from really being too fixated on goals. Like obviously I've got goals and any strikers like no, I want to score 10, 15 goals or or whatever it is, which gives you a certain direction to aim for. But I've stopped becoming so fixated on I have to hit this goal. It's like this is the direction I'm going in. I'm going to take care of the process as much as I can, you know, in terms of preparation, you know, working on the mental side with you guys or, you know, food, recovery, you know, preparing. I've started recently. I've never in my life analysed a game of football before until, like, recently I've actually started, you know, watching clips of defenders I'm coming up against. Just anything to just be like, right, come game day, I've done everything I can do step out on the pitch, be present, be focused. And obviously, this is an ongoing process as well. It's not like I've, I've, I've cracked it or like I'm like, right, I'm in a good place. It's just I'm in a good place at the moment, obviously, with with, with past few games. And and I'm expecting at some point, you know, a drop in form or a few games where I don't go without a goal. And then it's, that's when you have to kind of fall back on those values that you've set for yourself. So what are the routines, the values uh, that... that 
that has got you into this system. Can you take us back to maybe a couple of years back where you were outcome orientated rather than process orientated and talk about that transition, what you've put in place and why that's helped you? Um, yeah, I feel I have always been, um, I've, I've always had this deep rooted, um, I say, yeah, value of hard work that come from my parents. Obviously, my you know, my parents' story of coming over from Iraq and the sacrifices they made. Um, I've always had that kind of belief system or value system, and and I've kind of always fell back on it. So regardless of what I've been doing, whether I've so, for example, even at school, I wasn't like the most well-behaved kid, but I always got my work done. If that makes sense, I always got good grades, even because all the so this is this is kind of something i've discovered recently where i've been i've been thinking about and like diving into my past to try and understand you know why i am how i am and i'd go into school like i'd i'd mix with like say like the cool kids and like get in trouble and stuff but then in secret i'd be doing my work and i'd be getting it all done and i'd be um getting the good grades and i used to be like what well, how are you getting such good grades i mean like you're doing all these bad things with those or like you know i used to you know, like I used to like smoke weed when I was younger and stuff before I played football, um, which not many people see would would say. But um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a weird like conflict that I, I always had, and even into like academy football when I was uh, doing the twenty threes, under eighteens, um, I'd like at the beginning I'd like do gym on my own when everyone was gone, or like I wouldn't want to stay out and do extras until everyone was gone because I didn't want people to have this idea of like, oh he's busy or like looking at him like doing finishing again or whatever it was because it was always a case of uh, I'm scared what people think about me doing those things mm-hmm. um so but but again although I had that you know fear of what people think about me it's weird because I wanted to do those things I was just scared what people might think if I'd done them did, did, um, you, change, did you change masks depending on what environment you're in yeah definitely I'm like I think I still am, but I think now I do it in a, in a better way, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm a bit of a comedian. Like, I'm good with a lot of different types of people. Like, I can kind of cater to a lot of different personalities, I'd say. Um, but I think back then it was a bit more unhealthy. It was kind of like I was hiding who I actually was. Um, whereas now I, I honestly, you know, not. I think everyone at some point in their life still feel what people think. But, you know, in terms of the processes you were talking about, I just go in every day, I do what I want to do, do what I need to do. Um, and yeah, people obviously don't like that or have a problem with that. It's not, it's not as much of a problem for me anymore. Yeah, we've talked about it before and I've talked about it you where when you train really, really hard, you do all the right sort of things and you're so kind of tunnel visioned on what you want to do. You kind of leave, uh, you don't please everybody. You start to get a bit of criticism maybe from former friends you know when you're at school maybe teammates going oh he's that he's that busy kid which if I had a pound for every time someone said that to me I would be a millionaire so how do you how do you, do, how do you deal with that side where you obviously got the judgment side but the judgment that comes with knowing what you want and try to remain your true self how, how do you deal with that side of it um, yeah I'm um, again what one one of like kind of dabbled with this idea it's like as a human, everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be, you know, fitting in, which is just our human desire. Like, comes from like when we were in tribes and whatever, like hundreds of thousands of years ago. So, um, it's kind of a deep thing as a human. Like, you want to feel connected to people. You want to have like 
relationships with people. So I've always found myself as well, say the past few years, actually becoming a bit more isolated because I've felt like, right, nobody understands me. Why am I like this? Like, why don't I get along with a lot of people? Or why don't I trust a lot of people? Or why don't I have a lot of meaningful relationships with people? Because I'd see, you know, say in a change room, a lot like boys, you know, little cliques or little friendship groups. And um, I always found myself not being as close to people. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the shift was. I think just um, maybe just exploring why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Like, why, why is it that I'm, you know, scared of what people think about me? Or, um, or but in, in, you know, like the opposite of that, I've also gravitated towards people who do care about me. So in, in worrying so much about the people who don't like me and the people who um who I didn't get along with, I actually sometimes forgot about the people that I do get along with. And there's people in front of me, like in front of my own eyes, who are very supportive, um, who are really good people that I was kind of neglecting because I was always looking for like, you know, external things that were just completely out of my control. Um so now, yeah, I just gravitate towards those people. And and I think from speaking to you the other day, Lupa, I also, those people where maybe I don't get along with or maybe on my type of people, again, quotation marks, um, I've just made more of an effort to reach out to them and understand them or, um, you know, have a bit of empathy maybe for what they're doing or why they are the way they are instead of being like, right, it's a direct reflection of what I'm doing because... I say actually that's the biggest thing. It's like you need to kind of realise that the things that people do aren't a direct reflection of what you're doing to them. It's 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 the direct re- reflection of their own relationship with themselves. So it's not, you know, for example, if Luke doesn't like me, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's it's Luke's, there's something in Luke's brain that's wrong with himself. That's why he doesn't like me. So understanding that is also what probably like gives you a bit of liberation when it comes to pe- what people think about you. Nice, yeah. I listen. Like, By the way, I hope you do like me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he messaged me. He said, oh no, we've not got him on have we? Jesus Christ! <laughs> I like you, mate. Till we, till we play against, till we play against each other, I'm gonna pocket you. Um, <laughs> so uh, no, it's it's important. We talk about kind of fitting fitting in, and it is it's important. I, I I have a lot of resistance where, like, when I joined Wickham, for example, I was you know the way I play. I'm very in your face. I'm very gonna take the ball off you. I'm very high energy. And there's a lot of people that they don't like that in training. No one likes that person in training. That person in training is me. So again, that has the resistance. And then when you start to get criticized, what are you doing? You're, you're that busy. It's like, well, poor. you get tested now. Do I change who I am? Do I stay consistent with who I am? Because it's, it's a hard one where if you're doing something different, then there's immediate friction there. Then you've got to you sometimes question it. And I had that mistake when I joined Sunderland. I changed my core game. And I think it's important and what you're discovering now is you know your core identity, but it's important you have that core, but the you know the bits on the outside, you can extend that a little bit further, which sounds like you're doing now where, okay, this is who I am, but I'm going to change this bit to kind of find common ground with other people. So fair play to you. Uh, my next thing, did you did you go on trial before you signed up with them? Yeah, so I was actually meant to sign for uh, Nottingham Forest when I left Swansea. That was kind of in the works behind the scenes for months and months, and then I went there. Um, I actually done really, really well. Um, the reason, so I, they just said to me, Swansea refusing to let me go for free at the time. So um, I was training with Forest, um, and they were kind of working behind the scenes to get something sorted with with Swansea. And 
Joe, uh, end up, you know, again, there's no no bad feelings there anymore, but just Swansea just basically refused to let me go for free so far. It's, you know, at the time, it was the year they got promoted, which was, well, it was last season, but they, um, they were rock bottom at the time. So I think it was still Chris Eden at the time, who was the manager. And um, they just said to me, look, we can't pay this money for you right now because we need to sign first team players first, which was fair enough. Um, and then... That, that was ongoing behind the scenes for like a few months. I went to Derby, I was meant to sign there and then Derby went into administration like the day before I was meant to sign. <laughs> um, so it was a tough few months. I went I went to Bournemouth with the first team there like for a few weeks when Scott Parker was there, trained with them for two weeks. Uh, that actually didn't end up working out. I got told I wasn't good enough at the time. Just, um, but this is, again, this is, I'm not told that, but this is, yeah. This is, this is powerful stuff in the terms of the, it sounds, and people might perceive from the outside, oh, he's had a very straightforward career. And then the reality, when you start to kind of go deep into it, you had rejections, you had potential offers on the table that got taken away from you, so we can perceive that as a potential rejection. So it wasn't as straightforward as just signing for a club. You actually went out there, put yourself out there, didn't work, and then you tried again, it didn't work. So what, what what's the secret there? Because I've been released, I had to then go on on trial. How did you how did you approach that period? Because I know there's a lot of people that they go on trial, they put this pressure on side, them and the pressure gets the better of them. Is how, how do you deal with the trials? And do you kind of see yourself as you're kind of on trial every day, even if you're signed. But yeah, kind of talk to us about the trial period because we've got a lot of people going on trials and it, it's a difficult mm. time. Yeah, again, I've I've um. I spoke about this with uh, with actually my agent a while ago, and I always seem to perform a little bit better under pressure. And I don't know whether that's um, just you know different when it comes to different people, but you know, don't get me wrong, going on trial is the toughest thing. And I think in football, like you're going into new surroundings, you know, you're viewed as the trialist. You know, you're not really in there. Someone's really trying to get along with you. Um, training is a bit difficult because you're having foremost connections with people you you know you're scared everyone's judging you you're going to training sessions anxious all that stuff um but yeah honestly i've just i've always just been you know just so okay with failing i'm not of course it affects me and, and when i went into bournemouth actually the story i've never told but um i went in for two weeks and obviously it was off the back of just leaving swansea i'd just come back from an injury so i, I left after pre-season finished and I was like a bit unfit, a bit rusty and I went into Bournemouth which was obviously a championship team at the time absolutely flying like top, like near the top and I, it was just so quick. It was like, honestly, it was like playing football on like 10 times speed that I'd been used to and you know, you got Scott Park on the side just, you know, absolutely driving the session. You got, I'm looking around, you got like Solanke, you got Bill and like these players you're obviously seeing but like, like, oh wow, like this all happened so quickly. I went from the academy at Swansea to, to on trial and Bournemouth first team, which was a bit difficult for me. Um and yeah, come come the end of the, the week and a half, my agent rang me and just said, oh, I'll um look like Scott Parker's rang, he said, you know, you great kid, you know, you know, bright, full of energy, had some good bits, but ultimately yeah, you just just not good enough right now to, to sign there. Um and you know they've got another young lad who's in the 23s so it's pointless basically signing there because you you know there's not a pathway for you so but I, I remember that time because it was basically the third time it happened since I left Swansea because of whatever reason I just put the phone down and I was just just cried like 
so much, man. Like, I would just sat in my room with my head in my hands. I was like, like, I shouldn't have left Swansea. Like, I don't know what I've done. Like, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I was just really hurt for a few days. Didn't speak to no one about it. Um, and then finally had the courage to just speak to my brother, who's who's actually 18. But um, we have a good relationship. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's just part of it. I, I, honestly, it's just having a perspective of like it's a marathon, not a sprint. And like, you know, I, I always, I, I think the other day Robbie mentioned about positive comparison. Or I think it was you. It's like, instead of comparing yourself to people who are who like, you're like, oh, they haven't failed. They have had such a straightforward journey. I always kind of find positive comparison to be like, right, Luke's had this journey. He's been released. He's been rejected. He's done this. Um, you think of like someone like Vardy's journey. You think of somebody like, um, you know, people have come up to the championship to Premier League people have gone from League 1 to, so it's like they've had rejections they've had failures they've had all these things um, so you kind of draw energy from those stories and use that for inspiration rather than being like the other the other side of it um, so yeah Brilliant mate and what you're not going to realise is people are going to be using your story as motivation uh, yeah. when they listen yeah. to this as well so amazing like hearing that story was powerful uh, I, I relate to it a lot, so you know, thank you, thank you for sharing yeah. that. That's, uh, that was good. Really well, good. We better go. We better go on to the academy calls. There's a last question we got to ask before they, um, before we start the calls, isn't it? So, what do we ask, KP? Quick fire questions. Quick fire questions, of course. Quick fire questions. You've got one minute, Ali, to answer all, right. all these. Okay. Okay. Ready? There's no chance you can answer them in a minute. <laughs> yeah, you can. Time on. Three, two, one, go. Who wins the prem this year? Arsenal. Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Death row meal? Uh, sushi. Pile of ball on pizza, yes or no? No. Ant or deck? Uh, ant. Oh, that's two no ant. Favourite holiday destination? Uh, Dubai. Best meal you cook? Uh, salmon. Good salmon. Is nope. that it? Put it in the oven, done. No, like, yeah. That no, enough, no. smart or casual? Uh, casual Ferguson or Guardiola Ferguson VAR yes or no no Spider in the house do you kill it or do you set it free set it free who would play you in a movie Um, Tom Cruise do you have a golf (laughs) handicap no (laughs) no dogs or cats cats talent born or made made night out with the boys night in with the missus Night um, with myself. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> You've got one superpower. What would it be? Stop time. Nice. Person least likely to be stuck in a lift with? Um, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Rob. Yeah. Luke or Rob, yeah. Luke or Rob? Yeah. Luke. Nice. Yeah, agreed. A phobia. Are you, do you have a phobia of anything? Um, heights and planes. Not planes, not heights. So I just don't like planes. Nice. And the last question: best advice you have ever been given? Um, you've got two games to play: the human accumulation accumulation game or the spiritual game, and it's up to you to choose which one. Boom! That's a quote. <laughs> What does that mean? I'm still trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure that out. Oh, 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 basically, so the human accumulation game is a life based on like chasing things, um, like you said, like success, 
cool. validation, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then the spiritual game is just just figuring out who you are, what makes you happy, fulfilled life. Those cool. The human validation yeah. game then. No, yeah. <laughs> All right, dude, we'll see you on the Academy. If you like this podcast, do us a favor, give us a five-star review. No, it makes sense. Share it with your friends and we'll see you next week. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Inner Game Academy podcast. Please do us a massive favor and give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Tag us in your stories. We'll share it. Subscribe because it helps us spread awareness of the show. Thanks very much for your help and we'll see you on the next episode.